This episode is sponsored by Memento. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Real World Serverless, a podcast where I speak with real world practitioners and get their stories from the trenches. Today, I'm joined by Kirk Connell. Hey, man. Hey, how are you? Hey, uh, so I've been uh, still following your work uh, since you were working with the DynamoDB team as the senior developer advocate. And I noticed that uh, you recently joined Memento. Uh, and I spoke with Kavaja a while back uh, on this podcast, uh, I think just before Memento went uh, GA. So it's great right. to see you. You know, you guys are joining forces again. You know, both of you having come from the DynamoDB side of things to now, you know, solving the serverless caching problem. Um, so before we get into it, do you mind just uh, giving the audience uh, a quick introduction of uh, your experience and uh, what you've been working on? Yeah, sure. So I have a lot of uh, years of experience as a developer working in on application support. Uh, and then, but I, I pivoted to databases uh, quite a few years ago and started out with relational, like a lot of people, and then went to NoSQL databases probably about 11 years ago. Um, got my start with uh, MongoDB and Couchbase and worked for Couchbase, worked for Redis. Uh, AWS and now uh, Memento in various different roles from product management to developer advocate and so on. So I have touched, I mean, I've been on, in and around uh, databases and applications in my entire career. So, Yeah, that seems, uh, that seems to be very much uh, what uh, Kawaja was telling me as well, that he has spent uh, most of his career around the databases uh, of, uh, of uh, various descriptions as well. Um, so I guess uh, in that case, uh, you've got a lot of experience working with uh, uh, different customers uh, when you were in the DynamoDB team. And one of the things yep. that uh, I've been really, um, I've been, I guess I've been seeing in the community is that, that there's a big divide around the concept of single table design. Uh, you've got people who loves it, uh, who swears by it. And you've got people who are skeptical. Uh, people, I guess you can count me as one of the skeptics uh, who... Uh, who sees the value of single table design in the right use cases, but also at the same time, I think most of my workloads certainly wouldn't benefit from the the benefit uh, from a single using single table design. Um, so I'm interested to hear from your perspective, having worked with lots of different customers, uh, where you see like there's a sweet spot when it comes to using single table design with DynamoDB. Yeah, I mean, like I, my opinion is is that the the term single table design is a little bit. Uh, I, I, it's been used too much. I mean, people and people take it literally is the other problem is, is people think, oh, yeah, everything has to be single table. And, and what, what the, when I go to design something, what I'm after is the relationships. What, is the, what are the relationships of your data? What is, what is your data doing? How, how fast do you need to get at it? Um, what are the, like you said, what are the access patterns of your application? That's more what interests me. And that's more what drives the design that I, uh, that, that I, that I would use. I, I, would, I tell people when they're getting started with DynamoDB um, or, or really any NoSQL database is think about how your, your application will be, um, will be accessing the data, um, but also what data do you need and when do you need it? And how quickly do you need it? And that will tell you over time what you what you should be doing. And and pay attention to your relationships. Um, I, I mean, having things like the in DynamoD DynamoDB, um, having it where I have my my uh, primary key is the uh, composite primary key. Um, I can do it where I can do it begins with, and begins with is super powerful on DynamoDB. Being able to get 
give me all the things that are part of this order or give me all the things that are part of uh, this. Um, I can break up my objects if I need to, um, depending on what items I need or what data I need and when I need it. Um, for example, uh, if I have a user profile store, do I, when do I need someone's password? Should that be in its own object? Is that something that I want to pull back if I have one big object or one big item, I mean? Do I pull back that or do I need to be able to authenticate people 50,000 times a second? Um, and when I do that, I don't want to pull back their entire user profile. Um, but when I need it, I need do need their entire user profile and I can use that. Get me all of these objects that begin with uh, uh, that begin with that are, that are this uh, partition key and begin with this sort key. Um, and I can do that sort of concatenated string in a sort key to, to tell me exactly what my objects are defined as. Um, my, my other challenge with with uh, uh, single table design is is that it can get overly complicated. And if you're not used to it, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it can get, it can get in your way. It, it, is a, it is a blocker for some people. They get frustrated by it. Um, and that's not a reason not to learn it, um, but it's a tool in your tool, your tool belt. It is not um, the only way to design for DynamoDB. And it, and it shouldn't be used for everything. Like you said, it's, it has to be the right use case. Um, for for that, yeah, absolutely. But I think uh, the, the the great work that uh, Rick Hulihan has done in the last couple of years uh, has really um, got this idea out there, and I think a lot of people has now seen. Uh, I guess uh, they're, they're seeing single table design as the way you should be using DynamDB, uh, and uh, even when they're not ready for it, and I think a lot of people got. Uh, um, they got um, going to this thinking that uh, okay, you know, if I want if I want to do DynamDB, I have to use single table design, uh, even though their team is not ready for it or they don't have the right assets patterns uh, figured out right. just yet. And that's one of the things I find as well with some customers that uh, you know they go single table design and then the, they realize as uh, they're evolving the idea, the product, the features. Um, suddenly it becomes quite difficult for them to add new assets patterns. Uh, and I think yep. when the rig also talk, uh, often talk about the success stories they had within AWS uh, or Amazon, the, you know, the, the often the, the, the sort of stories are when they take an existing application and they port it from you know, relational database to uh, DynamDB and then to single table design. Uh, they already know the assets patterns at that point. So it's a lot easier to then just port everything over to DynamDB and uh, apply the single table design. And at their scale, you know, any uh, optimization is going to mean a huge wins for them. But I think for a lot of the smaller cu uh, customers who are doing, you know, single digit uh, ops per second, you're not going to see any value for or any savings from using single table design. So understanding, I think, when you need to use it, it's going to be um, super valuable. Yeah. And, and the other thing I would say is, is that, I mean, I've seen... I mean, actual customers and actual people using real applications that are using a design in DynamoDB um, that you look, I, I look at it and go, holy smokes, why would you do that? This is not going to scale. But here's the thing, not everybody scales. So my, my, well, my first reaction is, is it's not going to scale very high. That's okay. They're, they're, they may only be doing a, a few hundred operations per second. Um, and, and that's okay. That's, that's not a, I mean, DynamoDB is still a fantastic fit for that. So, uh, I mean, especially when it comes to some, some serverless applications, you don't necessarily need to be able to do 50,000, a hundred thousand, a million operations per second. 
most customers aren't doing that necessarily. And that doesn't mean that you should uh, always go for single table design uh, just because that, I mean, that's the only way of doing it. The most common thing I see is still people doing key values uh, and doing related data with the primary key. Yeah, and I've seen customers uh, who has uh, a lot of uh, data um, DynamoDB scans, which I look at that and say, oh, that's a bit uh, dodgy. But then I realize uh, they know uh, the tables are really small. There's going to be like hundreds of something items in there. Right. Um, so yep. it doesn't really matter. And uh, yeah. the, the, the number of items, is uh, there's a hard limit to how many items they're going to have. So they're not worried about the performance or cost at all for doing table scans uh, on those really small tables. Yep. Yep. And I mean, and also, and even at scale, there are certain times where doing a scan is still a better option um, than than doing something else. So I mean, it, it's not a it's 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 not a finite thing. I mean, you, you're not uh, you're, you're not locked in. So it really depends on what you're doing. So now that you've uh, I guess uh, you've joined the Memento, uh, you're now tackling the I guess a different kind of problem when it comes to data assets. Uh, now you are. Know, focusing on caching and uh, you know, DynamoDB has got its own caching layer, the uh, DAX, uh, but that's specific to you know one uh, database technology rather than application caching, which is still, I think, uh, for serverless applications, there's still uh, a, a really useful uh, use case. Well, there's still a need for something like that where you can easily share. Um, easily accessible well, quickly accessible data across many, many Lambda functions or even many instances of the same function. Um, and uh, I saw that you guys went GA a couple of months ago. Maybe can you tell me, uh, can you share some uh, success stories from customers, some early customers who's gone to production and uh, what they're doing with uh, Memento? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's been uh, probably the, the most noteworthy customer I can think of off the top of my head is that they went, and I, I think I tweeted about this one, um, is that they, we were, we'd been working with them uh, and they were, had, had written, written their stuff and, and written their code and all, and we weren't even, hadn't even really talked about when they were going to go to production on this. And then they sent our uh, operations team an email and, and the, uh, the, the, the sales team an email and saying, hey, we're getting ready to go to production here in 30 minutes. And I mean, normally you, I mean, when you think about one of your, when you're, when you're a small startup and your first uh, uh, bigger, bigger customers, you, you want to be, I mean, ready. I mean, this is an all hands on deck thing and well, 30 minutes. And the funny thing is, is that it worked like it should. It just it just did. It just, it, it worked. They started throwing their load at it. We saw it. We kind of went, eh, okay, great. And they started, they went along and were serving their customers. And it, and it, it, and it just, uh, it, like I said, it just worked. It just scaled. They didn't have to do anything. They just threw their traffic at the cache, um, and used it as they, as they wanted to. Um, and they replied back. I think it was another like 30 minutes later and said, Okay, we're good, and 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 that was it. I mean, it was a it was almost like a non-event, which is the way going to production. You always hope it is. Like going to production is just a yeah, we deployed, awesome. I mean, this is the first time we're using a product, and it and it just goes. So uh, that's probably um, one of the most uh, noteworthy. And then the other ones um, are are ones where they. Uh, we're having problems scaling some of their databases, um, and there really isn't a 
cheaper, better, faster way to scale a database than to try and put a cache in front of it. Um, that is such a, a, a great way to offload some of the traffic that you're doing, especially if you have certain items that you're doing or certain objects that you're using that, um, that you repeatedly hit a lot. Uh, whether it be like a configuration file for an app or or any other kind of information that you might have like that, um, pounding on a cache is going to be a lot cheaper to do than uh, uh, than pounding on a database. I mean, your most trusted uh, authoritative storage, um, it, it, flooding that with re with re requests like that is going to be more, far more expensive in the long term than 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 hitting a cache for that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess in that case, uh, well, last time I had the Kawaja on here, uh, we talked about some of the uh, limitations with uh, some of the other services like uh, Elastic Cash. Um, but I guess, uh, what are your thoughts on using Memento versus something like uh, DynamoDB DAX? Um, I mean, DAX is really useful. I guess it's really easy to use if you're using DynamoDB already. Uh, but there's some limitations like you know, results uh, doesn't get updated in a query and the things like that. Uh, if you're doing you know, get and updates, then the, the, the cache gets updated uh, as a write-through cache, but uh, not for your query results. Um, is there any sort of use cases where you think, okay, uh, DAX is a better fit for your for this particular scenario uh, versus other cases where you think uh, Memento is, uh, uh, is better fit uh, than the DAX? Yeah, I mean, DAX is a great use case when you need to be able to stick with the DynamoDB API. I mean, it, it is uh, compatible with the DynamoDB API. It, 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 you can basically swing over um, your code that you work with on for DynamoDB. You can swing to, over to, to DAX uh, to, to use that. And I mean, and it, it is a cache. It is a, a great service. Um, but one of the challenges is, and one of the biggest complaints that I've seen in the community is that it's not serverless you have to pick all of the stuff for for what it what it should do you have to um i mean it is a managed service but i mean it's it, it's still something where you have to pick and everything um you have to pick your your instance sizes manage that over time if you're gonna you know i, I need a bigger instance size i have to i mean do a whole migration uh, for for stuff like that, so there there are some challenges uh, around that. Um, I, I'm sure the DynamoDB team will will solve that over time. Um, but um, but the other thing is is that it only works with DynamoDB. It's it is it is purely unique to to DynamoDB. It doesn't um, allow you to use multiple data sources uh, the way that something like Memento, more of a a uh, a regular a regular caching product um i say regular like caching product like it's nothing special but it is something special but i mean it's uh, like a regular cache like 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 memento is um you can have it so it spans multiple databases if that's what you want um you you can use it in front of any uh, uh database whether it be relational NoSQL, it can run in aws uh, gcp uh, azure so it, it's really um uh far more flexible in that regard and it, and it is serverless. I mean, that's the other thing is 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 Memento. Uh, it's in the name, Memento Serverless Cache. I mean, it is an absolutely serverless serverless service. Database caching is a powerful tool. It makes your application faster, more durable, and improves your uptime. But it usually involves a lot of manual configurations, which can be painful. Memento's serverless caching is different. You can unlock all the benefits of database caching 
without any of the operational headaches. It works at any scale and its pay-per-use pricing model means you don't have to waste money to over-provision for peak traffic. It's easy and free to get started. Visit goldmemento.co slash realworld to try it out. That's goldmemento dot co slash realworld. The link is also in the description below. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the fact that uh, you guys are focusing on serverless. And I saw a, a tweet from Kawaja recently that uh, you know twenty twenty three uh, he's going to go against the advice he's uh, received, presumably from from uh, from uh, other people in the VC community, um, and he's going to double down on the serverless. I guess uh, you know what's your outlook on the whole serverless space? Uh, um, you know now that uh, there's been an economic downturn, everybody uh, is, is you know is being hit, and one of the theories out there is that uh, or at least one of the schools of thought out there is that uh, now that everyone have to pay more attention on the infrastructure cost there's a good opportunity for serverless to get a better uh, adoption in the, in the wider community because people's going to look at all of those hundreds of hundreds of idle ec2 instances sitting around uh you know why are we doing that why are we paying for that or let's just look at serverless is that something that you guys are thinking about is it something that you guys are seeing in the market yeah, absolutely. It's something we're looking at. I mean, I, I, in my personal opinion, I think it's going to be the same thing like we saw in, uh, I mean, when EC2 started to become a thing, uh, I mean, years ago. I mean, I remember uh, I was working on an application at the time and it was, we were thinking about renovating it. We were thinking about, okay, you know what? This is, we need to figure out a way to make this thing cheaper. I mean, it's costing so much money to run this thing. And I remember the first time in AWS firing up a, uh, uh, an Oracle database uh, in, 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 in RDS and firing up an EC2 instance. And I could do this and test the application for the cost of a cup of coffee. And that, to me, at the time, I mean, I, I immediately got that. I mean, having having written applications and racked and stacked servers and taken care of them and had to do with, be part of the ordering process, um, I saw the advantages of that immediately and immediately was a huge proponent of cloud. But I think we're going to see that same sort of transition. I mean, I think we have already been seeing some of that, but I think we're going to see more of that um, with serverless because not all applications need that that dedicated resource of, of of an ec2 instance i think that we're going to see a lot more uh where we can figure out these 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 smaller micro services i think that trend will continue i think there's going to be more of that um of slimming down of of, of what people need for compute what people need for databases um i i, I think that that's not an accident and it, and i think we're going to see a lot more of that here uh in the coming years um that it's just going to be the norm and then a lot of people are going to be thinking of it where there's a cloud first strategy i think we're we're, we're already seeing and we're going to continue to see and maybe even accelerate uh, a serverless first strategy yeah, I'm actually seeing a lot of uh, uh, enterprises, uh, large custom, uh, large enterprises, uh, also at least in some teams, they're uh, going fully serverless first, 
and they try to build everything with serverless technologies as, as much as possible because they too also realize that uh, you know the amount of effort and energy they have to put into to maintain and manage their infrastructure is just uh, so much work where so the same developers the same number of developers can get so much more done when they just foc when they can focus on the business side of things and the building the applications building and uh, shipping the features uh, quickly and uh, one of the things that uh, I guess I've seen in AWS uh, is this, uh, this, this rise of um, almost like a pseudo serverless services. Um, you know, <laughs> you think of uh, a lot of these new services that just got um, announced, uh, AWS, uh, uh, that are called serverless. You got your serverless Neptune, uh, what's the serverless uh, Elasticsearch, they announced a reinvent just passed. Um, and if you look at the, the pricing model for those, you know, you're still paying for uptime. And I think with uh, serverless Elasticsearch, you are paying something like a minimum of uh, $700 a month uh, for, you know, even if no, no, nobody uses it, uh, which just to me just doesn't you know, spell serverless at all. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, when, when you talk about uh, Memento being a serverless caching, uh, you know, what are you guys, uh, you know, how are you guys real, really serverless uh, for people who haven't checked out your, your pricing model and how you guys work? Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> the, I, I've noticed that, that trend too. I mean, and, and it's not unique to AWS. There's a couple other vendors uh, that are doing the same thing. So it's, it, for good or ill, since serverless is so popular, um, I think marketing teams are really glomming onto it and and um, trying to redefine what serverless is so because it fits their 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 needs. Um, I, I think they might iterate over time and being able to get it down better. I mean, look at the difference between um, I mean Aurora AWS Aurora serverless um, v1 and v2. Huge, huge jump in there. Is it is it still is it fully serverless yet? I, I don't think it's quite there yet. But the jump is there. the 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 need to I mean the the iteration is absolutely there, and I, I think we'll see the same thing in some of these other services. Um, I I think they could have waited maybe a little bit, um, and and uh, and maybe just made it a different operating model as part of this thing, and then once they actually do have it serverless, then they can advertise that. But um, it, it, I, I wouldn't single out AWS just for that because they're not the only ones that have, that have done something like this. So as to your question um, about Memento, we, we are fully serverless. If you're not using, uh, if you're not putting any traffic, you're not paying anything. Um, you're, you're, it's, it, is, it is a scale to zero serverless like, the, like, like is intended for serverless. Um, I mean, to the point where we talk about it of, uh, I mean, what, what is your, what is the, the litmus test for, uh, for, for serverless and, and what you should be looking for in those faux serverless services? Uh, there, there are, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the, the big thing. Um, as for pricing, I mean, for us, it's, I mean, you get your first 50 gigabytes transferred per month for free. And after that, it's 15 cents a gigabyte. That's it. That's the that's the pricing. And like I said, if you're not using it, um, you're not paying for it. That's like I said, it's 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 super simple. It's the way it's the way serverless should be. I, I'm, I'm we want we're going to serverless because we want to simplify our operations. We want to simplify their development and make it so it's not arduous. 
Um, and so that's where, where we get into this is like I said, that's what the, the pricing model. Um, I mean, this is a born serverless service specifically catered to people like you and I that want this uh, uh, serverless functionality. And therefore, the, the pricing and the feature set and everything are, are going to be geared towards that. Yeah, I remember reading that blog post. Uh, were you the one that wrote that the litmus test uh, blog post uh, I saw, uh, I think, on the Memento blog? Yeah, that was that was Quaja and I. Yeah, that's Quaja. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a really, that's a really good blog post that came out just at the right uh, right time as well. Uh, I think it was uh, was it right after the um, uh, serverless Neptune thing that got announced, uh, something like that. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think this whole um, uh, scale to zero has been the uh, has is something that the people don't talk about enough when it comes to serverless. And I think uh, one of the most um, important practices that came up uh, with serverless is the use of ephemeral or temporary environments where, you know, I'm working on a new feature. I can just deploy my entire stack uh, to a, a, a temporary environment. I can do all my testing there, do all my changes there, knowing that uh, it's completely isolated from anybody else. So there's no chance of me stepping on anybody else's toes while I'm making some wild changes uh, and uh, don't have to deploy to some shared uh, environment that's going to impact anybody else. And when you don't have... Uh, scale to zero you're gonna have lots of these small environments uh, dotted all over the place and you're gonna be paying for uptime for lots of small uh, instances for things that you know people can forget and then end up having a bill just accumulate with all of this uh, uptime cost yeah i mean not just that but i mean if you're if you're gonna have uh, I mean, where you're running multiple, uh, even production systems. I mean, you called out dev test, which is absolutely uh, a big thing. But I mean, I want to track what's what am I doing in my production systems too, and uh, same same sort of thing. I want to be able to scale to zero. Most applications, uh, I mean, they do have their their daily life cycle. I mean, they do have a bell curve. Um, you still see it over and over again, where it, it ramps up in the morning of whatever the 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 the, the part of the world that they're that it operates mostly in, and it ramps down in the evening. Um, and I want to be able to ramp down uh, and not pay for what I'm not what what I'm not using. I don't want to I don't want to continue to have uh, these ser these servers or instances sitting out there spinning and wasting money. I, I just it, it doesn't. It's not good for for anything or anyone. I mean, there's so many levels where it's not good on. Um, so uh, yeah, I said scale to zero is is uh, is huge. And so having that that where it's um, in my mind having the, the oh there's a minimum cost per month to use this. Well, that doesn't like like you said earlier that doesn't feel serverless to me. But like but like what I was talking about before, I think that that's going to change. I'm I'm really hoping I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt that this is that this is going to change over time that they're going to iterate on it um, is my is my hope. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. Uh, it would be really it would be a really a shame to uh, for, uh, to see serverless that became just auto scaling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, and it absolutely has the potential for that, but also it has the potential to be purely. A marketing term and then it's just going to be a little more difficult for people to fit to suss out whether it's actually serverless or not i mean and and then it begs the question of is who gets to be the gate gatekeeper of what actually serverless means i mean who who gets to define that i mean i i think that um the community at least from what i've seen in the years that i've been involved with 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 DynamoDB and it being a serverless database and talking with a bunch of the people in the serverless community 
scale to zero is part of that. And and there there are there are a couple of core tenants, and that sort of in that litmus test um, that we did for for, uh, for for data services, serverless data services, um, that's kind of what we tried to encapsulate in that blog post: is what should you be looking for uh, in 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 a serverless uh, uh, serverless data service? Great, yeah, I really love that uh, blog post. Um, for anyone who's uh, haven't seen it yet, uh, it's linked in the description below, uh, so you can go and uh, check it out. Um, so I guess now that you guys have gone GA, uh, you've had some successful customer adoptions uh, already, uh, even though they only gave you 30 minutes of uh, notice as before they go before they go to production. Uh, what's next uh, for your for you guys at the Memento? Uh, what's your next uh, big milestone? Are there any sort of big features you guys are looking towards? I think um, as far as big features, I mean, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not sure I'm at liberty to, to talk about specific features, but. Uh, Right now, I mean, what we're working on is just more, 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 um, more, uh, more work on the um, on the client side of it. Uh, how to make that even easier for developers? I mean, right now it's just it's five lines of code in in pretty much every SDK that we support right now. Uh, so to to get that done, but but my goal is to get more. Uh, example applications out there, more um, more content around how to make life easier for developers, so that integrating this into an application, well, you're just I I, I mean have all the code right there in the documentation, you just drop it in, or right there in GitHub, and you're just downloading it and 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 drop it in, and there's it's just so effortless to do it, um, and and save money from not having to hit your uh, your authoritative database all the time. So, um, and especially, I mean, for serverless, serverless things, uh, I mean, serverless applications with, um, I mean, the 50 gigabyte transfer free tier, um, you can do a lot of work on that. Uh, so, um, but for, for what's coming, um, those are, yeah, that's probably about the most I'm, I, I'm able to talk about right now. Um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's fine. I'm not going to pry. I look forward to any, any announcements that you guys are making in the future. Uh, it's certainly one of the services that I've been keeping a close eye on myself. Um, so I think that's uh, all the questions I have in mind. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to share before we go? Anything that uh, you're doing uh, personally or with Memento? Um, if you guys are hiring, you can you know, let us know as well so that uh, I can include a link in the show notes. Uh, yeah, I think uh, if I recall correctly, we're still hiring in engineering right now. Um, got a lot of exciting stuff uh, coming. Um, we're we're yeah, except some of the features I can't really talk about, unfortunately. But there's a lot of really cool stuff uh, happening, and I think right now the the, the big thing that I'm working on is to um, get it so more people know what we're doing, uh, where we're going, and how easy it is, and how easy it can be to actually. Uh, um, use this. I mean, on a, on a personal level, I mean, what I'm going to be working on is more things that developers need. Um, I, I think things that I would want as, if I was um, out there writing applications. I mean, heck, I am out there writing applications. But I mean, I, if if I if I was someone who was listening to this when I'm new to a a, a, a service. What, what do I need to know? How quickly can I get this up and running? How quickly can I see my data in your service and use it in my application and use it in real world applications? Um, that's what I'm going to be concentrating on. 
Okay, sounds good. Uh, I can see you guys are hiring solution architects, software engineers, product manager as well as sales. Uh, so I'll put a link to the website so that you so that uh, any listeners who are interested in the working with Momento, uh, they, they can go and have a look and see whether or not uh, it's the right opportunity for them. Uh, I want to thank you again for taking the time to talk to him today and uh, hope to catch you in person sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to. Take it easy. Okay, bye-bye. Yep, thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Real World Serverless. I want to thank Memento for sponsoring this episode. Get all the benefits of database caching and none of the operational headaches with Memento Serverless Cache. Start free at gomemento.co slash realworld. That's go, M-O-M-E-N-T-O dot C-O slash realworld. So that's it for another episode of Real World Serverless. To access the show notes, please go to realworldserverless.com. If you want to learn how to build production-ready serverless applications, please check out my upcoming courses at productionreadyserverless.com. And I'll see you guys next time.